Hello, this is Pastor Jimmy Harper. Thanks for listening to this Lee University broadcast. We're excited that you are joining us today for one of our many campus events. We hope that you are encouraged as you listen. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the, lowlies, the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thought of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. This is the word of the Lord. One of my earliest memories is from when I was one year old. I couldn't talk yet, but I could understand a lot of language. I heard that my cousin had broken his leg, and I knew the word broken. I remember picturing in my head his leg breaking off, like, like a doll's leg breaks off. And then I thought through another scenario, which was his leg just shattered into pieces, like a plate breaking. That was my experience with the word broken. And I was really concerned for my husband because none of my ideas of the word broken were good. I remember preparing myself that maybe next time I saw him, he wouldn't even have the leg. But brokenness is an important theme in scripture and in our lives. My understanding of the word has grown significantly since I was one. Um, it can mean devastation, a, a need for repair or replacement. Or think of brokenness in the case of an egg. If an egg isn't broken, it isn't useful. Either the chick can't come out or you can't get your breakfast. So in the case of an egg, openness is to make something available that wasn't available before, an openness. Another idea of brokenness can include a horse being broken um, to be trained. It's a refining process. So rather than being all bad, Brokenness can mark the beginning of a process, a process that is not often pleasant at the time, but is fulfilling and rewarding in the long run. Next week, on March 25th, is a day that often goes ignored in the Protestant church today. But on March 25th, the Christian church celebrates the angel Gabriel announcing the Annunciation to Mary. So you can count it out, we're in March, April, May, June, July. We are nine months until Christmas, when baby Jesus is born. Um, let's turn to the scriptures to read the beginning of Mary's story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think of what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You will become pregnant and have a son. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and you are to name him Jesus. 
And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David. And he will reign over the house of Israel forever. His kingdom will have no end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy. And he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative, Elizabeth. Has been preg- is pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything that you have said come true. And the angel left her. And let's stop there because this is so significant. Her openness is outstanding. Here is a young girl in a traditional rural village, and her life is good. She's betrothed to a righteous man. She has a lot to look forward to. The angel just said amazing things about a son that would be born to her, but the angel also said that she would be pregnant. And she's well aware that according to the law, a woman who breaks her betrothal and becomes pregnant could be stoned at the hand of her own father. And if not that, at least um, she would never be able to marry. Without the support of her husband or family, she would most likely uh, resort to prostitution to sustain her life. And she had no idea how she could ever explain something like what the angel had said to her family and to her husband. And there was no guarantee that any of them would accept anything that she said. Everything she had ever envisioned about her life to that instant changed. Yet she is open and willing, and she agrees right away to the plan of God. And maybe you think, well, if an angel came to me with a word from God, a plan like this, I would agree right away. It's an angel telling me the plan of God. But let's look at some other people in scripture. Moses, he knew he was talking to God in the burning bush, and he was full of excuses. And Zechariah had just heard from Gabriel as well. He knew he was hearing God's plan, And he was full of crippling doubt. But here is Mary, the most vulnerable of all of these, I would say. And she agrees to God's plan right away. She says, I know that I'm going to be broken. I know that my life is never going to be the same or how I ever envisioned it. But I'm saying yes to this new thing that God is going to do inside of me. She agreed for Christ to be conceived grow and be birthed through her. In the incarnation, the most important aspect of our faith, God taking on human flesh, happened inside of her. Because of her openness, we have a new relationship with God. In the next verses that are printed in your bulletin, she opens with, my soul magnifies the Lord. And that's not a word that we use a lot today. Um, A lot of uh, translations will say glorified or praise. But let's look at the word magnify. Let's think of a magnifying glass. When we magnify something, we don't make the thing bigger. We don't make that larger. Magnification makes it possible to see something that we couldn't see before. It brings things into focus. It makes something more real or more present to us. It doesn't change the reality, but it makes it more present and real to us. And that was Mary's calling. She magnified the Lord with her life. And people were able to see Jesus for the first time, could see God. 
And that is our calling. We are called to be Christ bearers. We are called to magnify the Lord. Women and men, young and old, of any social class or standing. We are called to conceive and give birth to the good things of God in the world. And often, as in the case of Mary, the process is uncomfortable and it's challenging and very long. But God is with us and he has placed us in community with other believers to minister to us as we labor together for the redemption of the world. We are the ones that make the incarnation, Christ in human flesh, we are the ones that make that possible today. We are the only flesh that Jesus has on earth today. We are the body of Christ. In honor of International Women's Day, we celebrate women, but we're not just here to honor women. We're honoring God, the triune, relational God that made us female and male, all of us, in the image of God. In fact, the best representation of the image of God on earth today is not just two or three, it's thousands. It's the church, the nations, all of the people, young and old, regardless of class, culture, or mental ability, but each of us as individuals contribute our part. We celebrate that God can use us in spite of or even because of our brokenness. Today is St. Patrick's Day. St. Patrick was not Irish, he was English. And when he was a teenager, he was captured. He was taken away from his family. Some of his family was murdered, his family's home was burned. He was taken to Ireland where he was made a slave. And he labored for years. And during that time of extreme brokenness, his relationship with Christ grew. His father was a Christian, but at that point, at the point when he was a slave, that's when he made the faith his own. And he waited for an opportunity. Eventually, he was able to escape from Ireland and go back to England. But everything, his, his family was, was gone. He didn't have a place to be. He turned to the church. He heard the calling of God, and he became a priest. And he ministered to people, and he had community, and he had a life, and everything was going well. And then he started to hear the call of God in his life to go back to Ireland, the land of his enslavement, and to forgive his captors. And he left everything. He opened himself to the plan that God conceived in his heart in the midst of his brokenness. And he birthed Christ to the people of Ireland. He magnified the Lord with his life. And I've been thinking about this for a while and thought of three distinct ways that God is magnified in our lives. And they all have to do with community. In our scripture reading uh, that, that we'll read and uh, that was just read, uh, after Mary says her soul magnifies the Lord, she talks about God blessing the humble and vulnerable and scattering those that are proud in their hearts. Let's look at that more. If we are open and broken, if we make ourselves available, God can be lifted up, be made more visible and more real to the people around us in several ways. For one, we give others opportunity to act as the true body of Christ when we are humble enough to share our needs with them. 
I just heard a true story about a woman who was serving in a church. She and her children were really involved in a church that served the community, served the, the homeless, um, and did all kinds of great ministry. It was a woman and her two children, and she was active in everything, and she looked great on the outside, looked like she had everything together. And then, a little while later, actually months later, it was found out that she was homeless. She and her children had been living in their car for months and months. Why hadn't I told anyone? Why wouldn't she share her need with the body of Christ? I mean, can you believe that? Her children and everyone was living like that? And as soon as the church found out, they were able to meet her needs directly. I mean, everyone then was lifted up and edified, but as unbelievable as that sounds that she wouldn't share that situation, that's a physical example, but I think it's very similar to how so many of us struggle with any number of issues. If we are struggling with certain thoughts or impulses or addictions or difficult situations or even struggle with our studies or relationships, so often we do so in silence. And especially, I think, in a Christian setting like Lee, uh, we continue to serve and look great on the outside alongside of everyone else. But you know what? God does not need our fake perfection. <laughs> Today, I urge you, don't struggle in silence. Hiding the reality doesn't help anyone. We are the body of Christ, and the health and well-being of the whole, of one, affects the whole. God placed us in community, and he ministers to us through community. I know sometimes we are afraid of making God look bad, that he will look, maybe think he will look less powerful if a believer is struggling with something. But that's just not true. God is bigger than all of our sins. Anything. God is bigger than all of our sins. But our sins and struggles are often too much for any one of us to handle on our own. You might think that you know about this thing and Jesus knows about it, so you don't need to share your burden with anyone else. But the point is that God instructs us to confess our sins to each other. What? <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> I think that's something that Protestants often overlook, but that is James 6.15, confess your sins to one another. Why would he ask us to do that? It's really uncomfortable. Let's read a little bit more of that passage. Confess your sins to one another and pray for healing. Why confess our faults and shortcomings? For one thing, it can prevent a situation from going to, from bad to worse. It's also an act of humility, and that's good for our souls, and it opens us for the healing that can take place. Humble yourself and share your struggles with someone in the body of Christ, a friend or a family member, a teacher, or a counselor. We have amazing Christian counselors. You may never feel ready to do this. I think a lot of us don't feel ready, but you need to. Your healing and your restoration are at hand, so close. You know another reason that we don't share our struggles with people in the church is because we don't feel safe. We're afraid of being judged. We're afraid of being pitied or looked down on. But this fear of being judged and looked down on, this should not exist within the body of Christ. It's not of Jesus. To be clear, yes, we can and should be discerning 
and we should really judge what is right and what's wrong. But we need to be very careful that we are not making value judgments on people. A person's value, a person's worth, does not go up and down with mistakes and struggles. There's something wrong in our hearts if we look down on people who are struggling. Then we are the ones that are proud in our hearts. That attitude should not exist, and each of us can work towards eradicating that nature wherever in our hearts, wherever it's found. How can we change the way we feel towards people? How can we become safe place? One way to check the attitude of your heart is to closely, re- closely examine your first reactions to people or situations. Really look at that, and if you find yourself lacking, pray. Pray for a change, and ask a friend to pray for a change with you, too. We know that God works with us when we are humble. God prefers our humility. So let's be humble and open with one another. When we humble ourselves, when we stay open, there's room for God's healing power to work within us. And then God is glorified. When people know the whole story, when people know the miracle that was performed in us, then he is lifted up. And that ties to my next point, which is within the community of believers, we can be sharpened and refined. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens the countenance of a friend. We need each other. We need to be encouraged, to be supported, to be challenged, to be held accountable, and to accept loving criticism. It requires humility to be open to change and to see things from varying perspectives. But God uses community. He uses our relationships to teach us and refine us. We learn from listening to other believers, your friends, preachers, teachers, even strangers on the radio. In fact, all of our relationships with believers can be sources of magnifying God. And we can also magnify God in the community of non-believers. We make God more visible, more real to the people around us by our attitudes and our actions, just by allowing the love of Christ to work through us in all of our interactions with people. Galatians 5.22 says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there, are no, there is no law. And that is just such a funny understatement to me when I read that, against such things there is no law. Of course there's not. This is what people want in the depths of their beings. This is what we all desire. And if people around you see you consistently living out the fruit of the Spirit in your life, they're going to take notice. In 1 John 3, 14, Jesus says, By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. When you offer forgiveness instead of revenge, when you are gracious to others instead of catty, when you work for the justice, work for justice and healing between people, 
between classes, between cultures, and you're not seeking personal prestige. When you approach your faith with humility and confidence instead of superiority, when you act in the ways of God that the world does not expect, like Mary did, like St. Patrick did, people notice Jesus is magnified when his teachings and love play out in your life in community. Here's the good news. Jesus knows what it is to be vulnerable and totally broken. He knows what it is to be human and to open himself to the will of God. He lived in community, and he knows its shortcomings. And yet he chose to dwell in us, in community. As I look around the room today, I see the body of Christ on earth. May God's will be fulfilled in our lives. Amen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Father glorifies the Son, and the Son glorifies the Father, and the Holy Spirit draws us to that relationship to give God glory. Just as God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are many united and called to be one.